Hi, I'm Cheryl. I am the head of venture growth and partnerships at Republic, an investment partner at the Community Fund and Lightspeed Scout. And femtech to me really means improving women's lives and therefore the lives of the world. Welcome to Femtech Focus with Dr. Brittany Barreto, exploring the past, present, and future of women's health and wellness. Welcome to the Femtech Focus podcast, where we have meaningful and provocative conversations with femtech experts. These academics, doctors, and innovators tell us about the past, present, and future of women's health and wellness. I'm your host, Dr. Brittany Barreto, and today's episode is brought to you by Witham. Witham is a forward-thinking, technology-driven advisory and accounting firm committed to helping companies be more profitable, efficient, and productive in today's complex business environment. Witham's dedicated Femtech team is proud to partner with members of the Femtech community. Get to know their team at witham.com backslash Femtech. Okay, FemFams, before I introduce today's guest interview, I want to tell you about our newly published report on the Femtech landscape. This white paper outlines the women's health industry based on Femtech Focus's proprietary research and databases. Some highlights of the report include that the market is worth over $1 trillion. There's been over 105 Femtech exits that have happened since 1990, of which 50% of them have happened in the last five years. If you want to read the full report, go to femtechfocus.org backslash resources. Be sure to use the data to further your goals in women's health and be sure to reference Femtech Focus. Alrighty, so in today's episode, I interview Cheryl Campos, the head of venture growth and partnerships at Republic. Republic is a private investing platform. They curate private investing opportunities with high growth potentials across startups, gaming, real estate, and crypto. Investing in startups was previously available to only the wealthiest 3% of the U.S. population. With Republic, everyone can invest in private startups for a chance to earn a return. Republic gives people the power to invest in the future they believe in by providing access to startups, real estate, cryptocurrency, and video game investments. Focused on creating a diverse, sustainable, connected world, Republic has facilitated over $250 million in investments from over 1 million global community members. Republic is where both accredited and non-accredited investors meet entrepreneurs and access high-growth potential deals across a range of private markets, including Femtech. In this interview, we review a few very successful Femtech deals that have fundraised on Republic and reviewed why we think crowdfunding could be the right choice for many women's health, consumer products, and services to fundraise. Enjoy the episode. Hey, Cheryl, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Brittany, for having me. Definitely needed to have you on the show. We love highlighting Femtech investors, um, and we're going to talk about you know your own personal investment thesis, but... You work at a crowdfunding platform that has been really, really supporting our Femtech founders in their fundraising. So I'm really interested in our different kind of discussion we're going to have today around crowdfunding and the use of, you know, the public's dollar for Femtech innovation, right? Mm -hmm. 
yeah, equity crowdfunding in particular, or what we like to call crowd investing, retail investing, private investing, whatever you want to call it. Basically, um, companies uh, allowing their customers and true believers to have a piece of the company, which is pretty awesome. Yes, let women. (laughs) mm, Underrepresented folks all across, yes. Definitely. Well, let's kick off the interview with talking about your background. So where are you from? What did you study? And how did you end up here? Yeah, so I'm native New Yorker, born and raised, uh, raised by a single mom who, you know, uh, I think uh, really was for thinking and uh, making sure that uh, I knew what being a strong woman was like, right? Especially, you know, raising two kids in the inner city (laughs) and doing it all by herself. And we both went to Harvard. And so she really um, was able to achieve her goal of uh, instilling in us that education is the key to success and key to the way out, quite frankly. Harold's mom, we love you. Right. I know. Shout out. (laughs) She's a true superstar. Um, But yeah, so um, I my brother uh, is the doctor now, so he's the golden child and and did what he he had to do. And then for me, I I, uh, went to Harvard to major economics, not the lawyer my mom expected me to be, but (laughs) I'm I'm doing what I love, which is great. And so um, I went into banking and private equity thinking that I was going to be the you know CEO of a bank. Uh, right in the future and be like the first Latina and like be like just rocket. Um, but what I quickly realized that whereas, um, you know, those types of institutions preserve the status quo, um, fintech and technology in general, which by the way, I had no exposure in during college at all. I didn't even know that, you know, a non-tech person could be in tech, but fintech in particular was molding the future that we wanted to see. Um, and so I, w- I came across Republic through a mentor of mine, um, also Latina, amazing, <laughs> also in VC, and she actually was working at Republic at the time. And I found out that this was an incredible platform that allowed, especially underrepresented folks who were traditionally overlooked by VC, have mm-hmm. access um, to the public's dollars and say, hey, like, maybe VC doesn't believe my my vision, but everyone can be a VC and utilize their knowledge and expertise and just kind of um, their belief that this could be a success and put their money in as little as $50, right? And so um, versus traditional agent angel investing is like 25K, 50K, so bigger check sizes. And so I loved what I saw. I also saw that this before, like Title III to Jobs Act in 2016 finally allowed for non-accredited investors to invest in startups, uh, which is key because 93% of America is not accredited. So really unlocking an asset class um, that was mostly for the wealthy to get more rich. And so um, I saw that and then it was just, it was just, uh, we were the gold standard. And so I asked for a job on the spot. <laughs> I was able to go through an interview process and I've, I've been at Republic now um, for about three years, which is, is wild to see. But um, what I do there is I work with VCs, accelerators, ecosystem players um, to really um, educate portfolio companies and other founders and especially underrepresented founders to um, learn about different types of capital, right? Um, Venture isn't the, you know, holy grail, like everyone needs venture, no. Uh, because 30% of our companies are bootstrapped, by the way. And so um, at Republic, and they just, this is their first kind of round of outside capital. Um, but it's really a matter of understanding what's the right capital for the founder at the right time. And so if we can just be an instrument for them, that'd be the best. 
so yeah, that's kind of a little bit about what I do Republic and what Republic stands for. Awesome. Before we dig into too much, I do want to like, let's back up and define some words. Cause I know we do have some listeners that are like new to what yes. when adventure, what is she second adventure? Like, what is she talking about? <laughs> um, so a few words that you said that I just want to define real quick for our audience. Yes. You were talking about an accredited investor. So yes. an accredited investor, essentially, I know there's like an actual definition, but essentially for our listeners, it means that you have enough wealth that the government says you can be risky with it and make investments. Mm -hmm. um, and you have to be an accredited investor in order to make a lot of investments. And till there was that change in the law. What year did that happen? 2016. 2016, there was a change in the law that said, okay, you don't have to be super wealthy in order to put money into something, right? Okay, so there's that. That's like the brief overview, right? Did I miss yes. something or say no, something? No, 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 that, that's great. And and it's just aware, it's an awareness and education play right now where people just don't realize that they could invest in their friend's startup or that they could have invested, invest in the next Uber or Airbnb. Yes. And now before 2016, was there crowdfunding platforms or like everything started? So in there's two types of crowdfunding, right? There's rewards crowdfunding. So like Kickstarter, Indiegogo, right. but we're equity crowdfunding. Equity crowdfunding did not exist for non-accredited investors until 2016. Whoa. Okay. So um, because I was like, I'm pretty sure Kickstarter was around before then, yeah. but now I'm understanding that is because you put in money in exchange for like the first product launch or something. Yeah. Like the that. prototype, a perk, a mug, you know, that type of thing. But here you're actually investing in the company. So you're Whoa. actually getting a piece of the company. Whoa. And then that is really, really interesting and very different. Um, yes. <laughs> and so, um, and then just a few other words that you mentioned that we don't have to get too far into, but you said like a lot of the companies, 30% of the companies on Republic were bootstrapped. So bootstrap means listeners that you essentially it's been funded themselves. The founders put it on their own credit card, their own savings, their own, you know, refinancing of the home or whatever. So they've done it all themselves. Um, that's what bootstrapping typically means. And then when you say venture, Venture backed venture is essentially like these, you know, Silicon Valley, big pots of money. And, you know, you think Facebook, think Microsoft, you know, like, oh, big checks and owning pieces of your company. Um, and that's a great route for a bunch of tech companies, but not everybody. Um, and I'm really excited for us to talk about um, what are some of the barriers specific to women's health and wellness startups getting venture money versus the possibility of them getting money on Republic. So, you know, we've just described it, Republic being this like equity uh, crowdfunding. Do I just say crowdfunding? But equity yeah. Oh, yeah, equity crowdfunding or crowd investing is easier <laughs> or retail investing, you know. That's oh my goodness, lots of terms. Um, and so tell us why is Republic in this crowd, you know, funding way, really great opportunity specifically for femtech? Yes. So just to answer the first part of your question around why aren't they getting necessarily funding from venture, one is the fact that about 10% of venture is are like women, quite frankly, and men don't necessarily see the same problems or they won't necessarily address them, quite frankly, just like, oh, it doesn't apply to me. Okay, it must not be a real thing. Um, people still see femtech as a niche market, even though it affects 50% of the population too. So that's the second reason. It's like, they're just like, oh, the opportunity isn't there, which by the way, venture firms really, the way that they work is that they get money from uh, large, larger checkbooks called limited partners, and they're able to take that money and then distribute it in a way that they are expecting 10x returns, right? And so they're looking for companies that have large markets. 
but then they're falling asleep at the wheel and suddenly thinking that like femtech isn't one, right? And so that's a real opportunity there. Um, and that's why as an investor myself, I, I'm very focused on, on like that. that's their kind of, um, that is a place where they're not looking. And so that's where I see the opportunity. Mm-hmm. I think the other way is that sometimes specifically for sex tech, which is part of femtech, that um, there is a clause in the LPA agreement. So limited partner agreement that, uh, VCs have with their limited partners that says that you can't invest in vice, um, which is crazy that sex is vice, <laughs> even though like most people do it, like it's natural and, you know, it's, uh, it's taboo. Yeah. It's just, it's just wild to me when like, you know, so many people do, and that's how we bodily function, exactly. Body. Literally body function, human <laughs> progeny, you know, the human race, all of that. Um, and so technically they, or they will just claim that they can't invest in it because it's a vice. Um, and so it is hard to hear that, but it's also another opportunity, which is why for Republic, the whole point is that this opens up so much, um, like the, it opens up the world so that people around the world can say, okay, like this is a clear opportunity. Like, and VCs are not looking at this. Okay, let's go and invest. Um, there was, especially with some companies um, in the past and this is starting to change, but marketing was also a really big issue for femtech companies, right? Because they couldn't necessarily address what they were saying through ads because they were being um, shadow banned or, you know, Instagram or Facebook, which was saying that, this was not appropriate, even though it kind of was like, you know, this dressing women's menopause, right? Right. Why is that inappropriate? You know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's, and things are starting to slowly change. And so that's one thing for Republic that, you know, where we focus a lot on marketing, right. It's hard not to, you know, just use the traditional fa- uh, Facebook and Instagram, but at the same time, a lot of these companies also have communities. And so what's really great for Republic is the fact that they're able to tap into these communities and say, Hey, now you can be a part of of our story and, and be financially aligned with us so that, um, you know, when we win big, you know, and get an IPO or acquisition, uh, you also will win big. Again, this is like so amazing. So many pieces for us to deconstruct here, right? So there's this thing that you said, it's called the vice clause. And I recently learned that that's actually a term like vice that clause. Is- you know, um, and it's essentially saying like these big pots of money, venture capital firms can't put their money into things like sex, porn, um, cannabis, mm-hmm. um, gambling, alcohol, gambling. Yeah. So these are all like in this vice thing. And so, so there's some companies that even if we were able to get the message across to the investor, the investor is le- legally bound. They can't put their money into something that may have to do with sexual wellness. And our listeners know we love to talk about sexual wellness on the show. And so mm-hmm. that's definitely part of femtech. Um, so the vice clause part, and then you were talking about the community part. I love that because I always talk about the femtech trifecta. So I have seen that all successful femtech companies have a great product. Mm-hmm. They have a community of users and they have uh, education, whether that is like blogs or you know uh, events that they have. And so the fact that Femtech's asset, which is usually they have this community part and using that to fundraise from it, I really find that fascinating. Can you tell us about some companies that have been successful on Republic? Well, the first one that we had that was amazing was uh, Bloomy. Uh, it is a sexual health and wellness uh, marketplace. Um, and started by a Latina founder, which I was very excited about. Um, why don't we support uh, my Manas? And so um, 
she actually was able to raise about 175k on the platform and that was really a lot of it came through her community as well as um you know this final push that generally happens in in campaigns where people feel fomo and they're like you know when when the campaign's closing down there's a huge bump in terms of uh investments and so we saw that and she was able to raise a good amount of money that um you know is able to help her um expand her business the second one is quim uh, which is more around kind of personal care, uh, you know, and it has a it's kind of CBD component to it. Um, and so that was, uh, they were able to raise about 300K as well. Um, and so that was also another more of a marketing tool for them to engage new customers and kind of bring them into their space. Um, and even just, you know, capitalize on this movement around CBD and all this stuff and, and just make sure that um, people understood, you know, what they're about and they've been about this for a long time so they're amazing and love the founders and then last but not least is laura de carlo which is actually live right now um it is a sex toy company and uh but really you know sex toys is, is more about sexual wellness right and education and uh that one is backed by a, a cara de levine so has an influencer in it um, and also, uh, Laura DiCarlo herself is a personality uh, because, uh, you know, well, one, she's just an absolute rock star, <laughs> but two, um, there was a there was a lot of press that came to Laura DiCarlo because in the uh, CES uh, conference that happened uh, where the sex toy that they have, which is very advanced sex toy, um, was nominated for an award, but they kind of stripped it because they said it was a sex toy and therefore it was not qualified. And so having them be rewarded for like, you know, technological advancement, and yet because it has to do with sex, they took it away. It was something that, I mean, to be honest, should not happen in this day and age. And yet it did. And so the press covered that. And it was really more of a push for, you know, societal acceptance that this is what we all do and you know we need to be pushing the boundaries as to what we can say and talk and because the more that we talk the more we can um educate each other and so she's been really kind of a leader in that space and they've raised about 550k wow this is a lot of money coming in like what is this yes. what are the minimum investments for the everyday person to put in yeah fifty dollars fifty hundred dollars wow. you know any campaign can set it but that's generally the case yeah what kind of ownership does a hundred dollars give somebody well, it depends, right? <laughs> so um, every company has certain valuation, um, especially with um, with uh, companies, they are valued based off of their revenues and potential and uh, different industries have different valuations. And so um, basically you're able to see what the valuation is of the company. And then, you know, based off of that, some back of the envelope math and make sure that, you know, uh, it won't get too much, but it's just enough so that, you know, for example, we have a company um, that is, you know, just raised uh, like after a couple months of raising on Republic, you know, now raised from a VC and they were able to just sell their investors. Hey, like you already have a 50 X mark, 50 percent markup um, on your investment a couple months ago. And so, wow, that's pretty cool. And um can you tell the demographic of the people putting money in? Can we tell like it's mostly women investing in these companies or we don't know that data? Uh, each founder knows data because we provide the founder with that data at the end um, of the campaign. Um, and so I'm not necessarily sure for these campaigns what the breakdown was, but I'm 
I'm assuming it has to do with more women. <laughs> yeah, I'm assuming that sex tech is a lot of women because it's female sex tech, right? And yes. so a lot of women and, and supportive men. Yes. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, can anyone do a campaign on Republic or is it like exclusive? Mm. So it's actually, it's interesting. We, we get so many applications a year. So we do want to make sure that it's curated and we do have a responsibility to our investor base to kind of, you know, provide them with curated best kind of um, opportunities. So we actually, our acceptance rate is about 3% now, which is kind of crazy. So it is very curated, it is competitive, but it's something where we, um, you know, we have a holistic approach to it. It's not mm-hmm. like the traditional VC was just like, you know, <laughs> this guy looks like me and therefore I'm going to give him money, but more around <laughs> like, you know, hey, let's really take a look at the due diligence <laughs> yeah, due diligence and and go from there. So, um, yeah, not anyone can put a campaign up, but um, that's when you know for public every time you go, which, by the way, there are 100 companies now on the platform at any given time. And so you can really kind of hone in on what you personally want to be investing in, what you want to learn more about, and then put your dollars there. Wow. And, um, you know, so we're talking about this interesting trend of, you know, there's these vice clauses for sex tech, but there's also just like these barriers to fundraising for femtech because we're often pitching to people who have never had the hot flash because of their Mm. estrogen dropping, right? They have never worn a maxi pad, (laughs) right? Like they don't, they don't understand the struggle. Um, and so do you think this is just like, let's just brainstorm for a hot second here. Do you think that making um, like an equity crowdfunding platform specifically for femtech companies could ever be a thing? And like, would that be a smart thing? Um, so just creating a platform like that is, I mean, there's about 60, 70 platforms now that exist that are with equity crowdfunding uh-huh. um, since the 2016 Title III Jobs Act, right? But the thing that really has to stand out is one, the compliance factor. So there's a lot of compliance that needs to happen whenever there's a platform like that because the SEC and FINRA are looking at you, right? So that's one. We, we have a really strong legal team. We spun out of AngelList actually. Um, and the chief, uh, the general counsel of AngelList is our CEO, right? So like there has always been an emphasis on that. Um, the second thing is about... Um, getting to um, a size where there's exponential growth, right? So we had a slow growth for a while because there was this awareness and education piece. Mm-hmm. But as, you know, COVID hit and the world, you know, as we knew it like, ceased to exist, there were several trends that really helped us get to, you know, the million people on the platform, right? So ownership, right? People, people don't want to just be owners, sorry, the consumers, they want to be owners, right? So that's one. Founders are starting to realize that community is a defensible moat and therefore want to engage the community early. Yeah. Alternative assets are, you know, NFT, crypto, all that. People are starting to, you know, w- you know, wise up on that. And then yeah. last but not least is diversification of portfolio. So people want to like take their money and not just put in the public markets anymore. They want to do more. So mm-hmm. all of those things have allowed us to reach scale, which then, you know, in turn helps all of our companies on the platform, right? And so you want to put on companies that you know will be able to raise and raise accordingly. And so I'll just say when it comes to building a platform for Femtech, um, that's, I, I think it can exist for sure. <laughs> and like, it, like, there's nothing really stopping it other than like, you know, just making sure that it's legal compliant and all of that. Yeah. But then apart from that, it's really about getting to size. So making sure that there's 
branding and marketing, making sure that you're setting up your founders for success instead of just kind of like launching the platform and then there's no one to see it or there's, you know, kind of, and then also I think last one is the customer journey. Like it's, it's like you can literally download the Republic app right now and just like invest in a startup through Apple Pay, <laughs> you know, like it is so simple and easy. Like it's too easy sometimes. <laughs> so uh, that's the thing where you have to really think about the customer and will yeah. they be able to come back to the platform and all of that. But yeah. anyway, so hopefully, I mean, I would want to see that happen. I will say that I think just more just kind of economies of scale over time that um, allows for, you know, well-established platforms to, to go ahead and back. Well, it sounds like on my list of crazy ideas that I want to pursue, Femtech crowdfunding, I'm going to put a cross through that and I'm going to say <laughs> strong partnership with Republic <laughs> to form. That was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that sounds like a lot of rules and regulate. No, no, no. I'll let you do it, but maybe we could work on some kind of <laughs> specific, you know, page. Uh, well actually yes exactly that that's something we could definitely work on (laughs) okay cool good 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 well um you're also an investor what are some areas in femtech that you're excited about yeah so um just for those listening i am an investment partner of the community fund um and i'm also a scout for lightspeed so i have you know a couple of capital sources which is great um and so uh in terms of the verticals I'm interested in in femtech, uh, postpartum is one. Mm-hmm. I think it's wild that, you know, you have eight doctor's appointments and then, you know, during your pregnancy and then after your pregnancy, it's like one, if you even make it at all. And right? it's after six weeks. Yes. Um, I just realized this. my own sister had a baby in November and the baby had an appointment two or three days after birth. She had an appointment with her stitched up vagina yeah. six weeks after. Mm-hmm. I was like, what? And there's so much that happens, right? Like people have like literally like PTSD from going through that, right? And their bodies have gone through everything. And it's just crazy to me that like, there's no care. Like you, you became mother, you stopped being a woman, right? Which is just like, how does that happen? Like your needs all of a sudden, like- Right, <laughs> your needs out the window, just wow. the baby, like, right? So that to me is just still mind boggling. There's so much we can do. Um, both in physical health and mental health of the mother so that we can set up also the babies for success, right? Um, So that's one area that I'm I'm constantly looking at. The second one, obviously, is sexual health and wellness. Um, I did invest in Dame products, uh, which uh, is, uh, you know, also sexual um, sex toys, but also as sexual education. Um, And it has a great community around it, you know, with Dame Labs. And so um, that was something. Yeah. That's the femtech trifecta, right? Education, community, product. Like again and again, we just continue to hear it. Exactly. Y'all, I'm just a listener. (laughs) So that's the the, the, trends. Yeah, they've really been able to to hone and create a flywheel effect for all three. So um, that's something where I I love what they do. And they're already making tons of revenue, like millions in revenue. And and this year they're expected to, uh, you know, double because... um, it's funny during the pandemic, vibrators were the biggest thing because <laughs> you know we were out here um, cooped oh, up, and oh, then girl. meanwhile, 
I just lived through it too. I know. I just lured to Carlo. <laughs> Love it. And then, so, <laughs> I know. What's up? <laughs> exactly. And then versus like, no, now hot girl summer, people are actually buying like lubes and like other things that can help them. So like, basically it's pandemic proof, which is awesome to see. So there's just different ways that, you know, people can embrace their, their sexuality and, you know, sexual health and wellness increase it. Mm-hmm. So that's the second one. And then last but not least is menopause. For me, it is so, so key um, that people understand what a woman goes through because like, I still like to your point before, like how do you deal with a hot flash when you're in an executive meeting? Like ice cubes, a rag, like that's still, we're still using our cake methods, right? And then um, it's, and then they're just like, like I saw my mom go through it too, where like, she's just shaved her head. She was straight up like, I'm not, I'm, you know, I'm not dealing with this. Like, this is the easiest way I can think of. And it was just, yeah. And and it's, it's really like, it's also a mental thing. And so how do we support, you know, this life transition that every single woman goes through um, if they reach that age? And so, um, you know, I think there's a really, really white space there, this gap that um, I'm very focused on. So those are like my three main areas. Oh, I love it. I love it. Well, you know, this has been so much fun. Uh, we have two last questions that I really want to dive into with you. The first one is we have a lot of aspiring founders that are listening. So what's an area in women's health and wellness that you think still needs innovating? And it might be the answers to the question you just said, but yeah, I know. Kind of, right? like, I, mean, I, I think those are the most fascinating. I feel like there's a lot going on in fertility right yeah. now, like actually getting pregnant and Um, But, you know, just, uh, I think really understanding the journey throughout, right, from, uh, you know, pregnancy to to postpartum, being a new mom, you know, general wellness is, um, you know, something that if we can kind of help all of these things at once, that'd be great. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think, you know, that also means the entire journey, so including menopause and including um, you know, just different types of problems that you might have, right? Like I'm actually talking to a company that help, like, you know, helps with the thinning hair, right? Um, mm-hmm. And fully focus on older women. Like there's so many problems that people don't even realize <laughs> that are going to be a problem and yet everyone deals with it and people don't even talk about it. So if there's ways to build community, education and that type of thing. Um, I think that will be um, helpful just for, for every woman here. Definitely. And so if we can consider your favorite topics to be, you know, the postpartum recovery, um, menopause and sexual wellness, let me rephrase my question based on those categories. What are, um, what type of products are you looking for? Are you excited about like CPG consumer product? Good. Are you excited about marketplaces? Are you excited about digital health? Tell me more about that's a great, that's a great question. Um, I'm actually uh, excited about digital health and consumer like a D to C actually, which by the way is becoming like for a while there, like everyone loved D to C and then, you know, they all went to retail and then they're all like, uh, you know, actually this might not be the biggest returns that we can invest in. Um, but now it's coming back. And I think there's, uh, especially when this entire section, this entire uh, category hasn't really been innovated on, you know, there's so much we can do. And so therefore I think that consumers is key plus digital health, because, you know, we're all virtual or, I mean, we're going back to it in real life. So <laughs> a little bit different now, but, um, you know, we are always going to have that technology component. So the more that we can, and, and the, the beauty of it is that it can reach anyone, right. And that has internet access and can, or, you know, has a phone. Um, and so if we're able to kind of allow for those things to, to reach people, especially when they need it the most, that'd be great. 
Yep. And I mean, speaking of exits and consumers, today we heard that Modern Fertility is getting acquired by Roe for $225 million. And, you know, you would think that fertility solved. No, (laughs) it is not solved. Companies are still being built. They are still being sold. Mm -hmm. Um, Fertility is one of the categories of the most acquisitions. And so obviously it's not even done yet being with, um, you know, it's not saturated as, as as we say, right. Not saturated and modern fertility is a direct to consumer. It's a finger prick test that they sell sold direct to consumer. Um, and you know, Roe is obviously going to probably add in telehealth and prescriptions and all this stuff. Um, but you know, so it sounds like you're right in terms of the direct to consumers is still strong, especially for women's health. We, we see that a lot is that you have to go direct to consumer because there's a lack of billing codes or like the FDA, um, trajectory is so long because nobody's ever done it before for that category. So you have to yeah. literally set standards. So going direct to consumer sometimes is easier. The only issue with that, I'm on my soapbox. I'll finish yeah, quickly. My only issue with that is accessibility. Um, then you start to you start to um, innovate for the affluent white woman uh, when you go direct to consumer because she's the only one that can afford it sometimes. Um, and that is just not, that's a broken system. And it's not the founder's fault necessarily. It's it's the system's fault, right? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so box over. I'll step yeah. down. Step down. <laughs> I love it. Um, and then our last question for you is: What do you think the femtech industry as a whole needs the most right now in order to be successful? Mm, needs the most right now in order to be successful. Funding, <laughs> funding more women and VCs investing and like just VCs in general will understand to invest in founders. Um, it's kind of crazy. There are, I, I've seen some, you know, companies, particularly in the sex tech and just, you know, uh, sex industry where they have been, they've taken predatory capital and it's just not right. If you're giving away like 50% of your company to someone, you know, for a couple million, right? Like it doesn't make any sense. And we want to make sure that there are alternative funding sources, like public, for example, that like where they're able to go and, you know, set the terms and make sure that they are, you know, getting the most out of it, right? Um, there really needs to be founder investor alignment. And so that starts with, you know, investors leaning in, understanding that this is not a niche market, educating themselves on all the problems that we need to solve, and then going and actually, um, you know, putting their money where their mouth is and investing. So I think that's what needs to happen is more of the education piece and more of the funding piece. If you are a founder who's never fundraised before, please get yourself an advocate, somebody who mm. is totally willing to answer your texts or your calls about the fundraising process. I've I've been a femtech fundraising advocate for a lot of people, you know, yeah. um, like Francis from Awkward Essentials and yeah. um, Michella from Oya Leggings and even uh, Michelle from Biomilk. Like all of these founders, they have my cell and they say like, hey, we have a term sheet is this reasonable? Right. And I'm able to say based on the industry, yes. Based on the industry, no, you know, or based on trends right now because of COVID or whatever, yes or no. Um, And that's so important because I have met founders, not those three in particular, but I have met founders saying, oh, this investor is offering me this for this percent equity. And I'm like, run away, run away. (laughs) Like get away from that human. That is not normal at all. So uh, founders, please, please, please don't go it alone. Ask questions, get yes. yourself an advocate, someone who's fundraised a lot, invested a lot, knows the trends. Okay. 
please. <laughs> yes. Because we want you to succeed. Yes. Absolutely. We're rooting for you. Feel free to reach out via Twitter. Um, I'm at Model VC. Um, yeah, my DMs are open. Uh, more than happy to answer questions. And I mean, thank you so much, Brittany, for even just, just having me here. It's an honor. My goodness, it's my honor. Thanks, Cheryl. Um, you have been amazing, and I can't wait for more Femtech to fundraise on Republic. <laughs> I hope so too. Thank you. <laughs> thank you to our sponsor, Witham, and thank you, listeners, for listening to my interview with Cheryl Campos, the head of venture growth and partnerships at Republic. If you're interested in investing in startups or want to launch your crowdfunding campaign on Republic, visit republic.co. Already Femme fans, please give the show a five-star review and share it with a friend. We have over 30,000 downloads and only about 30 reviews. So please, please, please take a second and go into your Apple podcast streaming service and make a five-star rating and a review. Um, we are a nonprofit and rely on your donations to operate. So also consider going to femtechfocus.org, setting up a recurring donation of even $10 a month would mean uh, the existence of Femtech Focus. Also, you can become a member of our virtual community, and in our virtual community, where there's over 1,000 Femtech founders and investors, you can become a FemPro member for only $10 a month. That gives you access to the Femtech Institute, a library of Femtech and startup lessons that are sure to help you advance your startup and teach you more about the Femtech industry. Keep an eye out for our monthly Femtech book club, which is this week. We are reading and uh, talking about invisible women. So definitely check that out and subscribe to our newsletter. Until next time, keep innovating because improving women's health and wellness improves everyone's health and wellness.